Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast brought to you by Manscaped and by our new sponsor, Ginger Pickle Marketing. Ginger Pickle Marketing will propel your brand up into space. Well, maybe just the top of Google, but um, that that's what space is. There's the new frontier these days. Conquer Google and you've, you've conquered, uh, conquered the universe and Ginger Pickle Marketing can help you do just that. Andy Warren here. Um, not a normal Monday podcast. This is not a podcast looking back at Town's really controlling win at Exeter and all the good things that, that came out of that. We've got something a little bit different today. Um, Stuart and I have just come back from what, another chat with Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton, who, uh, as always, brought us plenty of insight into everything that's going on at Portman Road. We talked about all sorts today, um, the changing face of the stadium and some, some things that are going to be happening there in the next next few weeks and months. His thoughts on January transfer window coming up uh, and what we might expect from town there. Kieran McKenna and how that relationship has evolved over the last year and, and what the future might look like if, if clubs do come knocking for Kieran. Um, Ed Sheeran, um, all sorts. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoy. So I'll chuck over to uh, Stuart and I in uh, Mark Ashton's office at Portman Road. Okay, we're here with um, Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton. Mark, it's been been nine months since we sat down to do one of these. Kieran McKenna was with us last time, and as always, um, a lot has changed. Uh, you finished eleventh in League One in that point. You're now second, um, and at that point, I think you were talking about an incredibly long checklist of things that were were going on and needed to be to be done. Um, how's it? How are you getting on? Well, nine months down the line, I certainly look a lot older, that's for sure, uh, and more wrinkles. But I think we've made solid and steady progress. Um, we've talked about this before. This is such uh, a big football club um, that it's going to take time to, to rebuild. And we have to rebuild all areas of the football club, both on and off the pitch. We've accomplished a lot in the infrastructure um, which is the basis, if you like, for the future of the football club. Um, and I think on the pitch, I think we've seen real progression. Um, the results have been solid. We're sitting second in the league, um, 41 points after 19 games. I think, you know, we could have been a few more points on. Um, I think Kieran would be the first to say that. But I think the pleasing thing for me is the performances. And one of the things that I hear about from supporters is, it's great to come back. The atmosphere is good. We enjoy winning games, but actually they're enjoying what is clearly entertaining football at Portman Road. So still lots to do, but I think we're making progress. Yeah, we're sitting here just a couple of days after a fairly comfortable but very professional victory at Exeter on TV as well, which um, that feels firmly behind us. You inherited a TV curse, which um, is in the past now a little bit. Just another one of those things ticked off moving along. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of curses here to 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 exercise almost. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad the TV one's done. I think the the derby game was a great spectacle for the football club. It was an opportunity for, for I think for us to to show the world um, how we've progressed and what we're doing. Um, the derby CEO before the game, I, I met him at pitch pitch side, and he said to me, "I haven't been here for a number of years, but this really looks and feels different. I think the stadium's starting to feel sharper." It's starting to look like a more professional football club. Higher standards. Again, still lots to do. Um, but at that derby game, I think it was nice to get that curse broken under our belt, move on, 
same at Exeter. And we just want to be professional in all areas, to be honest. Is it any easier for you to watch games with a team that's actually competing at the top end of the table? Is that making it easier for you to watch or is it actually more stressful than a team that's, that's 11th and not quite doing what it, what it felt like it should be doing? That's a really good question and I'm, and I'm chuckling to myself because if you sat next to me during the games you'd probably know, you'd probably know the answer to that. Um, um, it's, a very, it's, it's a really strange business that we, that we run in football clubs because what other business, what other business in the world is the CEO has no control over at the most important point of the week. Three o'clock on a Saturday or 7.45 on a Tuesday or a Wednesday as a CEO, you've got no control over the most important part of your your, your world. And that brings an anxiety. Um, but I think it's a calmer anxiety when you're watching Kieran and, and his staff. I think they give you a sense of, look, we're going to stick to the process. We're not going to change from the process. We trust the process. Um, and I think there's... There's an assured calmness around Kieran and his staff and the players. I think everyone can see the identity uh, in the way he's trying to play and develop the club and the squad and the players. So whilst it is, it's always a difficult, it's always a difficult watch. Um, I do have a sense of comfort, you know, that Kieran and his staff have got this and they know what they're trying to do. And I think the results primarily have been good. I think the performances, some of them have been really good. Um, but we are definitely still work in progress. I think a couple of analogies you've used in the past, Mark, when we've spoken to you is painting the fourth bridge and building an aeroplane in flight. Yeah. Um, do those two analogies still stand? Are we, uh, is, is the plane that little bit more fully formed now? What loop of the fourth bridge are we on? What? I, I, I think both of those analogies still stand up. Uh, I think the only difference is I am still learning about this football club and I've said this before and I, I can see myself continually saying this through my tenure here, I'm just shocked at the size of the football club. I'm shocked at the size of the fan base, the passion of the fan base. The way the fan base gets behind this football club is just incredible. So I think it's a bigger fourth bridge and I think it's a bigger aeroplane now. Um, and I just, I'm just continually surprised and, and, and shocked. I mean, 1,300 supporters away on a very, very difficult, ill-timed trip to Exeter is just incredible. Um, but they're there, week in, week out. And, you know, sure, we'll talk about some of the, the ticketing numbers and the retail numbers. The fan base and the fans have just been incredible. Give us an idea of some of those numbers then. I think before you've said, when we've spoken, that you believe this is a club that could get regular crowds of 28,000. I think you said at the time that you got a few funny looks internally here that that was almost over-ambitious, but, but here we are and you're, you've hit those numbers a few times and we're getting close to them being an average. Yeah, I, I, th- we, I, I believe in self-fulfilling prophecies. I, I genuinely do. That If you... If you set if you set yourself low targets, you'll hit low targets. If you set yourself high targets and then put a plan in place to get to those high targets, you've got a great chance. And I think we have to push through the size of this football club. We have to push through. We have to be brave in our decisions. We have to be brave in our target setting. And the season tickets was a prime example. We sat down as a senior management group at the end of last season, and I stood up and said, "Right, eighteen thousand season tickets. That's the target." And I looked around the table 
And people were nodding, but actually shaking their heads inside going, no chance, no chance, no chance, no chance. Well, we sit here today on just under 17,500 season tickets. And if we keep the trajectory going that we, we're currently on with the half-year season tickets, we are going to get really close to that 18,000. And that, if I'd have sat in that meeting and said, OK, well, I'll accept 16,000, I'm telling you, we'd have hit 15,800. This football club demands high standards. It demands to be pushed forward. And it's so big a football club. If you don't do that, you'll never maximise its potential. And again, we've had so many letters, so many correspondence from fans who've said they've been disengaged for years for whatever reason and are now returning. We've had fans communicate um, in their numbers that they're now bringing their children, their families for the first time. And... It's growing. You can feel it. The, the rocket is off the, 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 the launch pad. Um, and I've been delighted with that. So, yeah, I think we're on trajectory for circa 18,000 season tickets. Uh, and let's be really clear. We, we've some, seen some big crowds of 28,000 plus. We're getting towards that being a regular attendance. And that's without massive away followings. So if, you, if you're playing, I don't know, a derby every week or a Sheffield Wednesday every week, this stadium's full. No question about it. This stadium is full. Um, and again, I just think that is, it, it's, it's quite incredible. You know, we, we were clearly talking to the, to, to the Americans, to the board who were over last week. We have attendances that blast through the majority of League One, higher than most of the, the championship. And four or five current Premier League clubs, our attendances are much bigger. You look at retail. Um, we have sold almost 35,000 shirts this season um, across home, away and the blanket. And I can only say thank you to the supporters because that is just incredible. How does that compare to, pre obviously they're bigger numbers than previous years, but with shirts, how comparable is that to, to Ipswich's past, Bristol City's um, past? That, they, that sounds a huge oh, number. It's, it, 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 it's unbelievably a big, a big number. Um, there's no comparison. So if you look at Ipswich in our first year of taking over, um, we smashed through glass ceilings and we broke records. So across the, the kits last season, by the end of the season, we'd sold circa 22,000 kits. That's with your Christmas run, that's with your discounted stock at the end. We, and, and that, by the way, was a huge improvement on what this club had ever done. So that was 22,000 kits. We're not into the Christmas sales period yet, and we're at 35,000 kits. We, have, we haven't gone through the Christmas cycle, the sales cycle. That could well end up at 40,000 plus by the end of the, the, the season. It is just incredible. If you put that into comparison with other clubs, you know, if you look at a club like Leeds United, for example, their retail sales are massive because it has a huge fan base, it has an international reach. It, it's... it's it's incredible what they achieve in, in retail. We're trajecting onto that kind of plan. We're moving away from, we're much bigger in numbers and quantity than other clubs I've worked at before. Um, and we haven't won anything yet. Wait till this football club really does something. So I, I, listen, I, th I think we're on a good trajectory. A lot of work behind the scenes from ticketing, retail, uh, facilities, maintenance, operations, community. As I've said to you before, you've got to build all of the football club to have it successful. Mm -hmm.
with the with the kits obviously there's a number of contributing factors there but this the progress the club's made how well the team is doing they're nice kits as as a base but Ed, Ed Sheeran's involvement is obviously massive there are you, are you selling a lot of these abroad to kind of Ed Sheeran fans or are these Ipswich fans buying no it's it's, buying it's, it's an interesting that's a really interesting one so we track that so we track all of the sales where they go and yes there are some international sales but the spike in in international sales i.e. around where his concerts are etc are minimal and I mean really minimal um, and we thought there may be more of a spike but I guess if you look at, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, he, let's say he's touring in Scotland. A Rangers or a Celtic fan or a Hibs fan, maybe a, an Ed Sheeran fan, but they're not going to buy an Ipswich shirt. So that spike hasn't been huge. It'll be interesting to see now he moves into his US leg of his tour and maybe those parts of the world to see whether that changes. But when you track this, this is core Ipswich fans. And by the way, we do have an unbelievable fan base internationally. There are pockets of supporters all around the world. Um, but I, what I would say is, it's a perfect storm. Really good move to Umbro. They've been fantastic. They've been very collaborative around the design. So it's not the old off-the-shelf design that everybody has. Uh, the kits look great. Ed Sheeran's on them. The club's on the right trajectory. It's a perfect storm where it's all come together. Um, so Ed Sheeran and his management team again have been wonderful Ed's personal input into the shirt has been great but what really drives the shirts our fans our supporters and they've, they've taken them in their numbers and that's what you want that's that's what you want isn't it but you're with Ed for another year that, yep. that relationship's going forward and seemingly getting stronger and stronger can you kind of quantify what that's done for the football club just not just in shirts but in I don't know reach and um, just opinion from the outside maybe I think, first of all, and I've said this before, huge, huge continued thanks to, to Ed Sheeran and his management team again, because they, I've got to tell you, they're the easiest sponsors we, I've ever worked with in my career. They ask so little in return. It, it's incredible. Um, and we almost feel we should do more, more for them. Um, but you've got a local man who's an international superstar, but genuinely cares about his local football club, the community, etc. So... What, what, what has that given us? I think it's given us a sense of, the fans almost a sense of ownership um, that they can affiliate with who is on their shirt. Um, we've taken the decision to put the community trust on the back. Um, he gives us sorry, local, national, international reach. When he tweets, wow, that's a marketing reach that the likes of Manchester United, Chelsea, Real Madrid would struggle to, to, to get um, so it's just it's always a good news story when Ed's around us um, there's a real feel good factor about it he was at the Charlton game um, you can see he genuinely cares about the football club so I think it's just a perfect fit for us he's got that number 17 shirt though and we've still not seen him on the pitch when's that when's that <laughs> not happening um, it might give Kieran a problem with his 22 man squad Um and I dread to think what the insurance would be on him coming on for five minutes. Um, uh, but you can, listen, you never say never. You can never say never. Um, but yeah, he's got his squad number. Um, and again, he's just he's just been fantastic for us. How much does this income commercially from shirt sales, we're talking about season ticket sales there, make 
to what you can do as a football club because we know there's sizable funds from the American side of things behind things but you know it's based on on what you're bringing in as to what you can spend so this must make a real difference to what to what you can do. It does. Um, it, it, look, you've got. Let, let's be really clear. You've got owners who don't look to take a penny out of the football club. This is a loss-making organisation right now, um, and the ability for us, if you like, to raise funds through ticketing, commercial, retail, hospitality, etc., is absolutely vital to us. Um, it does. It affects, um, if you like, the financial fair play rules in League One. Um, which are the SCMP protocols, but if we, if and when we move to the championship, we move to PNS, and PNS is a different set of rules to SCMP. They are quite complicated, um, but as we move through, club generated revenue is absolutely key because it allows the owners to put more in. Um, and I think you know you you look at the ownership group. Um, Ed Schwartz, ORG, PSPRS, the Three Lions, they've been fantastic. We write a plan at the start of the season and they allow us to get on it and stick to the plan and then we report against that that plan. But they're on the phone daily, weekly, being supportive, asking what we need. Um, but I think what you've seen so far, and you guys have been around the football club in, in, in our tenure, I don't think we've done anything that's wild. I think we've just done the right things. We'll talk about it in a moment, I'm sure, but we are investing in infrastructure off the pitch that will help us drive revenue, increase fan engagement, and just is about doing the right thing. And off the pitch, we've increased the quality of players on the pitch. But what we've also done, there's a cost to come that comes associated to that. Um, but we've also increased the value, if you like, the, the balance sheet, the book value of our squad. Because if you look at our squad now, there's players on that pitch got real value. And if and when we get to the championship, that value will go up by two, three X because you're in the championship. It's just what it it's just what it does. So I think it's sensible investment, it's good investment, but we're trying my my challenge is make is to make sure we spend that pound in the best possible way. Is Leif Davis a good a good example of that? Obviously, a significant investment in the yeah. summer, but the age profile of of that deal, um, as you say, it, he would probably be one that you would think if his value, his value is probably even above what you paid for him now, he's had that good oh, start. Yeah. But he's um, yeah for sure. But championship that you've got a twenty two, twenty three year old there. Yeah, for, for 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 sure. Look, when you, I think I think if if you look at the the transfer market. There's been a couple of good deals in the, in League One where players have moved from probably League One to the Championship. Peterborough have done that well in the past. Um, Brentford, as they came through, did that that, that quite well. Um, the Fling Downs deal for us ended up being really good on how we, we cut that deal up and we got paid on the way through. Um, but there's a limit. There's probably, I don't know, a three million-ish top limit when you're seeing a player move from League One to the Championship when you're in the Championship all bets are off you know we all know the Adam Webster story Adam Webster Ipswich to Bristol City Bristol City um, to Norwich whilst I sorry to Norwich sorry to um, (laughs) um, Brighton Um, and as it was reported that was circa a £20 million deal you can 
break through barriers at that level. We've seen that time and time again. But you, it, it goes with the divisions. Um, so I think the asset base of the club and the asset base of the players within that are growing and growing. Just to rewind to this, the stadium stuff, you talked about infrastructure. Before we start talking about the things you're doing around the stadium, you mentioned capacity crowds earlier. What is capacity at Portman Road these days? Couldn't tell you. Um, and that's not me being silly, by the way, because it's a question that I get asked all, all of the time. The, the, the reason that the capacity, capacity flexes is dependent on the away fans and where the segregation barriers are put in. Um, I've had a real frustration since I've been here that we still haven't actually got all of the stadium open. Um, we've had some really good debates with the police and the safety advisory group and the police have been fantastic. So you are going to see in the next few weeks, hopefully, S Block, which is lower right of the cobble stand, which hasn't been open at this football club for almost 10 years, reopened. Um, but depending on where we put the segregation, the team that we're playing, which means that if you like the size of the segregation changes, the attendance can flux. But what we are doing and what we have to do here is short, medium, long term. We're simply reviewing at the moment, no more, where we put the away supporters. They're not in an ideal place. There is not a natural place for them to go because it's not just about the segregation in the stands. It's about the segregation under the stands and the access and egress from the stadium. And again, as the club gets more successful it's going to test our infrastructure. So you, you touched on it earlier. We are moving more towards 28,000 being the, the norm. This club hasn't done that for a very, very, very long time. That is stress, stressing and testing every ounce of our infrastructure, from retail to ticketing to bars to stewarding, you name it. it is, it's stress testing everything. And some of it's going really well and some of it we need to work on and improve quickly at. Um, so we, we need to make sure that our organisation evolves to make sure we can do, deal with bigger crowds. Um, I want as many in as I can. Um, and we need to keep working with the police on that. Um, but the, the essence is, at the moment, that capacity will flex, dependent on who we play. Where could away fans go? Because I, I, I see what you're saying. Like if, so, for example, if you put them in the lower tier of the Alf Ramsey stand, then... You've got to segregate the upper tier, Ipswich fans in yeah. the upper tier. It, is that why they've kind of ended up where they have traditionally, do you think? Just um, I, I hear so many stories about why they've ended up where that they've ended up. But no, the stadium was never actually built, if you like, with a master plan to say, right, this is, how, this is where we're going to put away fans. This is how the segregation is going to be. This is going to be the access and egress. And there are, there are a number of... There, the, sorry, they're not a huge number of places that we can put them, let's be really clear. But... We also have to debate internally, is there a point that we move to safe standing with certain parts of the, the stadium? And we're looking at that at the moment. And again, nothing's about to happen imminently. I want to be really clear. This, we have to step through the process on this. But we need to look at, is there uh, a medium-term plan on the cobbled? Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work on the cobbled stand on, on the lifespan of it. Um, we're working with the police on how we get fans in and how we get fans out of the stadium. And again, we're going to make some changes, hence the southeast corner. We've applied for planning to do some work in that corner. There is no easy answer. Um, but 
we have to look at whether we can we can move them into different places because at the moment I'm not sure it works. You've mentioned the, the South Stand there. Yeah. Um, there's work going on there. You you acquired the land behind there. Can you bring us up to speed on on you know what what the plans are for that part of the ground? Yeah, we've we we acquired the land. We had a one-off opportunity to acquire the land probably about a year ago now, um, and we needed to do that because we needed to sort out partly the southeast corner. Um, so you've now seen we've got a breakthrough into the corner, which gives us better access and egress. The big screens is a height that we can get vehicles in and out. So whether we want to hold concerts, the work has started uh, on the pitch replacement for next season. Um, so electric cables in that corner have, have been and are being moved currently. Um, and it gives us an opportunity to sort out, if you like, the turnstile access in and around that corner. Um, it will come into the public domain probably in the next week or so. I think we will knock down Staples building and we will knock down the gym building. We've done a lot of work on what we can and can't do with that. Um, and in essence, we knew this when we bought it. We, we bought a brick build, built building with a tin roof on. To turn that into, let's say, a fan zone or a venue, you're easier knocking it down and starting again. The cost associated with heating, ventilation, access, egress, it, it, health and safety, it just doesn't work. But we, we relatively knew that when we bought it. So I think what will happen is we'll knock the two buildings down pretty quick. Uh, and I mean pretty quick. Uh, we'll car park it. Um, and it will open up the access and egress to the back of, uh, back of that stand. Um, and so we can then look at the t- how we configure the turnstiles into the back of the south stand or the Alf Ramsey stand, which again starts to change the dynamic of the stadium. It actually configures the stadium slightly different then because the front of the stadium then starts to face a little bit towards the train station. We can work with the council on the land um, on Portman Road and actually, then we start to come up with a plan on how we really take, if you like, the, the infrastructure projects forward. So is that a fair way down the line, actually putting something on it other than a car park? Is that No, um, we, we, we have great property expertise um, through, through the US. Uh, they're here again this week from a property perspective. Um, and I, I think there are probably two areas of, if you like, property development. One is in the bowl, inside the stadium, um, and we're working through fan working through projects at the moment to make sure that we upgrade the fan experience on a continual basis. We're looking at um, the main stand on completing the executive boxes right the way across, but then you complete the two levels down, and what do we put in the two levels down? We're looking at the fan zone, we're looking at the, the AstroTurf pitch, we're looking at how the stadium is configured, but all of that is, if you like, in stadia, as I would call it. You've then got projects which sit outside of the stadia. And if you like, the land that we've acquired, potential projects with the council are all external. And that's where we, we have the property expertise of our owners. And they're working through that with us right now. What could you do on the fan zone, for example? Well, I guess we're looking at Lungton where the fan zone sits. Is the fan zone in the right uh in the right place um, because you know it, it's great where it sits now if you like for the main stand but when you go onto Portman Road pre-game you'll have been there the, the road is just literally 
packed with people. So actually, are we better splitting the fan zone up into different sections? So we've got some in different parts of the stadium. And again, that may or may not be where the land has come in that we've acquired, where we're going to knock down the Staples building. Um, which comes back to where do we best put people in the stadium? Because if you've got a fan zone, it really needs to be primarily where you've got children and families because that's where they will go pre-match, half-time, post-match. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is we're putting a master plan together for the stadium and that is short-term, medium-term, long-term. We want to drive revenues, but the flow of the stadium has to work. Council have been really good working with them on projects in and around the stadium, um, but it's now got to be fit for 28,000 plus people, not for 18,000, 19,000 people, and that's a big difference. Have you visited other grounds, stadiums, you know, away from match days or match days to, have you got sort of poster boys examples of, of good flow and stadiums that, that work that, that you've taken inspiration from? The, the team are doing that now. Scott Paul and his team are visiting um, a variety of stadiums. And again, I've been to places that I think, have, I think have done it really well. If you go to my old club at Bristol City, I think they do it fantastically. I think the stadium team deliver a brilliant match day experience for, for both home and away fans. Um, we, we've got a challenge that we've got an AstroTurf, for example, which is used on a non-match day for children's coaching activities. But then on a match day, I've got four and a half thousand people drinking beer on it. The two don't quite match up. Um, and the AstroTurf is beyond its life. It needs replacing. However, if we replace the AstroTurf and we work with, say, um, the Football Foundation or relevant funders to do that, if we replace that right now, they will say, that's great, but you can't have any fans on it for fans on it. It has to purely be for children's activities. So at the moment, it's trying to find that balance between the fan zone, children's activities, and in essence, that's why I'm saying to you, we need to look at the whole picture over a period of time on, on what works. A lot of these sound really complicated things to sort, but also quite nice problems to have because the amount of people that you're trying to move around this stadium is obviously increased massively from where, where you were. They, they sound like quite welcome problems, even if they're, they're giving you a headache. No, look, let's be really clear. I'd rather have this problem to solve than we haven't got enough people coming into the stadium. This is a far better problem to solve. But this goes back to the aircraft in flight. We can't stop. I can't say, right, everybody stands still. We're going to take two months off. We're not going to play any games, no activities, no ticketing, no retail. Let's put a plan together. Let's build it and start again. We have to build this on the way through. And let's be clear. We'll get some things right and we'll get some things not right. Because you've got to try things at times. Um, but 28,000 is testing the, the infrastructure for sure. What about things like the big screen and the advertising boards? Have they all gone as you thought they would? Are they generating the revenue you thought they would? And, and obviously you're doing some other things at Portman Road. There's been comedy nights, ABBA, uh, tributes, Only Fools and Horses, things like that. Is that is it becoming that, that year-round sort of venue that you, you hoped it would be? I think we've started on that trajectory. We're nowhere near where we need to be on that. Um, and that's, you know, we've got people who've joined the football club, Stuart Cox in venue, um, for, for example. And it takes a bit of time to, to learn about the football club, learn the flow, learn how it works. Again, you, you've seen we've invested in infrastructure. The digiboards are working really well. The big screen's working well. They haven't been without glitches. 
Um, the technical part of those have, have, have stood up really well. Part of the problem that we've got here is because of the lack of investment for so long, um, you put in new infrastructure, but the infrastructure that's been here forever and hasn't been invested in, you almost don't know there's an issue with until you put other things in. Let me give you an example. We are far from happy with the Tannoy system, far from happy with it. Um, and we have got the, the two companies who've worked on that in. They were here for the last game again. They were here for the game before that. We've put in new audios, um, audios. We've put in new speaker systems and still we're having problems with it. it. The system that we've put in now is not the problem. It's the old wiring to those systems that is causing us the problem. But what does that mean? Go back to 28,000. Well, if you've got 21, 22,000 in, you turn the volume up and all of the speakers on to a certain level. And actually it works fine. When you're at 28,000, you've got to go up even further. And it's when we put it up even further that it's crackling, it's then popping certain speakers. But it's not the new infrastructure that's the problem. It's the infrastructure that's sat behind it. And that's what we're now having to work through against like a secondary investment to make sure everything works. And again, it goes back to sometimes you can't get to that until you've tried it. But it's a work in progress. I'll take you back to the football side of things if I can, Mark, because football fans love to hear about how their stadium's developing, but they also love to know how the team is developing. And we've got a January transfer window coming up. The last time we spoke, I think back in February, we talked about building that recruitment yeah. team behind Kieran. We've had Sam Williams come in from, from Manchester United. Um, the whole sort of staffing infrastructure has, has really sort of been boosted since we spoke. Um, how are you feeling heading into that one? When, when did planning for this window start? Probably the day after the summer window closed, if I'm honest with you. And I think the reality is we were, we were whilst we were in the summer window, which felt like the longest window ever, by the way, we were talking about January at that point. And I, th I think what you've seen is we made, we made the decision in the, in the summer to have a depth in the squad. And in that first probably two months of the season, probably not selecting the team, but maybe selecting the bench gave Kieran some, some challenges because someone was going to have to be le left off. Um, and it was nice because in that first two months of the season... Andy Rolls produces a weekly performance report on all of the injuries, all of the strength and conditioning, etc., etc. And, and, and there were weeks where I've never seen it before where Andy was producing 100% availability. Well, now you've seen, you get into the winter months, autumn comes, and you've started to see a number of injuries. Um, had we not put the depth in place, we would have, we would have had challenges. And that's, that links into, for example, what players you loan out. So it would have been a, a, one debate, for example. One debate would have been, do we loan Cam Humphries out? Uh, and in fairness to Kieran, Kieran's thought process is, well, I want to develop him, I want to spend time with him, I want him with the team, and we're probably going to need him. Now, Cam Humphries is starting every week. So you, you have to have that depth. And you know, we've had a challenging run of injuries. Some of those are now coming back. But we know clearly the positions that Kieran wants in, in January. He's very specific. Um, and I think, I think what helps us going into January, 
probably more than this time last year is the world now knows how Kieran McKenna plays. We've got 28,000 in fairly regularly um, and we're at the top of the league. So as I said to you before, this isn't about money. Sometimes it's not about the money in persuading a player to come here. It's do they want to come to League One? That, that's always the challenge. But I think it helps us a little bit now that Kieran's settled, players know his style of play, clubs know that we're going to develop their players if it's a lone player, for example, in a specific way. And they're looking at a team that's on trajectory towards the championship. So all that helps. So we're very, Kieran's very clear on what he wants. We're down the line on a number of those, as you would expect us to be. But a deal's not a deal until it's done. I think this fan base will know that myself, Kieran, the recruiting staff, the one thing they can expect is activity in January and there will be activity in January. Yeah. There's always a balancing act mid- mid-season, isn't there, between upsetting the the equilibrium, the finely balanced squad. Players will be returning from some of those injuries, hopefully, yeah. come January, but also not being left with any regrets at the end of the season. Can we strengthen yeah. from a position of a strength? Is that the balancing sort of act that you're looking at as we head into January? Yeah, it is. And, and, and um, I don't want to leave anything on any stone unturned. I don't want to leave anything on the table. I do not want to be looking at the back at the end of the season going, if only, I wish, I wish. All we can do is make the right decisions at that moment in time. But it does bring challenges because we have a 22-man squad, which again, forget money, forget finances... We have a 22-man squad. So within that, he knows what he can fit and what we can and can't do. Um, and we're going to we're gonna have some t- tough decisions to make in that 22-man squad. Um, who's recovering from injury? When they're recovering from injury? Do we leave them in the 22-man squad? Do we take them out the 22-man squad and replace them? And my job is, if you like, to listen to what Kieran has to say from a technical perspective and what he wants. I then work with the recruitment team. Again, I've said this before, I'm not talent ID, recruitment team, put the players to Kieran, they then come to me and Luke Waring to get these deals done and across the line. But I think we've got to make sure that we've got the depth in key positions um, because come Christmas, come January, you, you've seen it now. These games come thick and fast. And right now, we're still in cup competitions. We've got to keep going. So I want to make sure we've got the depth to get us through. What are the challenges of being Ipswich Town trying to acquire players at the moment? I think Kieran's spoken about false kindnesses and tricks and traps. A lot of other people talking about what you can and can't do as a football club at the moment. Um, do you feel like that when you go into negotiations, there's some zeros being added to things? Is that is that a challenge? No, for sure. Um, and I think Kieran's comments, you know, without going into individuals, are right. But we're too long in the tooth. We see right through it. Um, and you know, to be honest with you, I think our fans see through it as well. We've said this all the way along. Let's just concentrate on what we do, and be the best at what we can do. Let's stick to his process. Let's believe in the process, and that will take us where we want to get to. Um, I think. I think from a fan's perspective, what I'd like them to understand is, we don't have a January transfer window. Then it shuts, and then. Mark focuses on the stadium, and then gets back involved in, uh, in in the in the January transfer window. We're working all the time. We're networking all the time. You know, this week I'm off to see three or four football clubs at ownership level. That that relationship building is happening all the time. So when we want players, the doors open. 
So you know we're communicating with the key agents all the time about what our pay structure is, what our wage structure is, what Kieran's looking for. It's an ongoing dialogue all of the time. It doesn't just stop and start. Um, let's be really clear, it always starts because we are Ipswich, we are perceived as a big football club, we are perceived to have some good level of finances. In any negotiation, people then start with a dial way over. Um, and it's my job to bring them back to a sense of fairness. Um, and I think thus far we've done we've we've done okay with that. Um, I'm not a fan of January transfer windows. It's always difficult. Um, but I think again, Kieran's really calm. He's really considered. He won't be rushed. He knows what he wants, and he won't do something for the sake of doing it. Has to make us considerably better. How? What have you made of, of Kieran's first, what well, we're coming up to a year now, a month shy of a year? I think when we spoke to you and Kieran together, that was a, a, a new relationship, a positive yeah. relationship. But a, a year down the line, um, how are you feeling about, about that appointment? Um, I think it was the right appointment for the club, um, particularly with what we wanted to do and how we wanted to go about doing um, We were a year in and I think Kieran and I probably learn more about each other every day. Um, he's an absolute professional, um, sets the highest of standards. Just because we're in League One does not mean that we don't set Premier League standards. doesn't happen. Um, his work ethic is, is off the scale. Um, and, and in fairness, so is the staff's. That's the one thing we've set here. I think we've set one hell of a tempo on and off the pitch. Um, Kieran and I were talking about this last week. He, we've put three new pitches at the training ground. And they're ready this week, next week for him. And it's the first, they're the best pitches we've got across the club. They've got all the integrated irrigation, the water systems, the pop-ups. They're, they're Premier League pitches. We didn't start, Kieran only joined us a year ago. He then mid, midpoint said, I want the pitches. Those pitches are now red. That's moving at breakneck speed. We'll then go on to other developments of the training ground around buildings, changing rooms, facilities, etc. But we're moving at breakneck speed right across. I mean, to get all the infrastructure at the stadium, it's breakneck speed. Um, but that's the, the standards he sets. He, those are the standards his staff sets. That helps us in recruitment because one thing is for sure, players talk. So if a player wants, if we inquire about a player, the first thing the player will do is call Sammy Morsey, call Connor Chaplin, call Wes Burns, call Christian Walton. They will tell them what we're about, what Kieran's about. That's a That's a... That's a, a massive positive. But I think he's an absolute professional, um, extremely bright, good communicator, uh, and he's very, very focused on taking his club forward. Where, where are those pitches at the training? Because obviously they train on the bent, the bent lane side at the moment. Yeah, so There's two halves to it. Next to the dome. Okay. So as you, the, as you enter the, stat, the training ground, the dome's in front of you to the left. That will become the first team zone. Um, all the pitches are down, all the groundworks are done, all the new paths are in, the, the ball netting's up. Um, next time you go up, go, go, and, go and have a wonder. I mean, you'll need your slippers because these pitches look like carpets. So that, that's the team moving away from the bent lane side as, as a first team, kind yes. of move, moving over yeah. to the place. Well, one side. of the things Kieran wanted was three full-size pitches, and we don't have three full-size pitches. Um, and right now... The pitches at Bent Lane are deteriorating because the infrastructure on the build of those pitches a long time ago wasn't sufficient to get them through the winter. These are. So we'll move on to those pitches this week. 
please take this question uh, with the good intention with which it's uh, meant. Have you had any little, with, with success comes other challenges and Kieran has hit the ground running so yep. well. Have you had any little inquiries when, when managers have parted ways? Uh, no. Clubs have parted ways with managers? No, no listen, there's nothing, nothing official has come through my door whatsoever, but my job is to be ahead of the game. My job, my, my staff will tell you, Mark's job is to live ahead of the curve. And that's why my former position on the Football League board, my relationship with owners, agents, etc., people talk to me all the time. So my job is to be out there knowing what's coming before the call, call comes. Um, but right now, I think Kieran has made it really clear to me, he's focused on the, on the job. We're all focused on the job. Um, and that's it. So the answer is, is the honest answer is no. Um, he's doing really well and he's, he's focused on getting his football club where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean he's addressed that several times that he was really careful with his choice of football club as well, his first, his first club that was yeah. a project and, and you hope that as a partnership that there is still a long way to go with this but you've talked about long-term planning and needing yeah. to be prepared for whatever's down the track. You must have to have, in the same way you're thinking several transfer windows yeah. ahead, same with your manager, isn't it? You've always got to have a succession succession plan at some stage. I think you have to have direction of travel in the way you're building your football club because you never want to keep throwing the baby out with the bathwaters, so, so to speak. Um, but you know, you, you, if you look at my career, I've not chopped and changed managers through success or failure. It hasn't. This has to be a long term plan for the football club, um, and you know, we whilst we we can talk about the importance of infrastructure and putting bricks and mortar in place. Football club's about one thing, and that's people. And whether that's the fans, the owners, the players, the staff, you name it. It's a, it, it. I've said this before, and people don't like me saying it, but we're not a widget factory. We don't make widgets. We are a people business. It's always going to be about the people. Here, historically, um, the future, it's all about the people. And Kieran and his staff... Are, 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 are you know a key part of that? You know what I love, you know Kieran, Charlie, um, Renegal Martin, Martin. They've all bought houses in the area. They haven't just rented. They bought houses. They've committed to the project. You've got to be in the middle of this. You've got to be. You know. So when you know, we someone showed me a picture on social media for I think it was Halloween. Kieran's taking the kids out trick, trick or trick or treating. You've got to immerse yourself in the local community. It's so important. You've got to be able to walk in to the local shop, they know who you are, you know the shop um, keeper and talk to them. You know, when you, you're you in and around the community, you've got to engage with people. It, I just think this football club demands that um, level of commitment. And, you know, so far, so good. We, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We've got a lot to do. But I think the people that we've brought into this football club, the people that we've advanced within this football club, are all lined up and com- totally committed. Are there more people to come into this football club? Obviously, you've, you've talked about this staff, this staff being built, and it, and you can see it. There's people heading up the venue. There's yeah. new coaches coming in, new people in the in academy roles, things like that. Is is the start? Is there still more to come into the staffing of the club? For sure, right time, right people, right right roles. One hundred percent has to be. I don't believe you can cut your way to success. You know, you see owners at football clubs when it gets tough, just cut, cut, cut. And what normally happens is they cut all the backroom staff, whether that's in retail, ticketing, media, stadium, maintenance, they cut, cut, cut. You can't cut to success. 
You've got to invest sensibly, you've got to grow, you've got to drive the revenues, you've got to build a business. And in our game, I think you said it earlier, unless you're winning on the pitch, unfortunately it all falls apart. So you've got, whilst you're building the bricks and mortar, you've got, you do, must not take your eye off the ball on, on the pitch. It's so important. So when we have internal meetings here with my team, don't get me wrong, everything we do in infrastructure-wise is really important. It takes a huge amount of time. We got one goal. One goal is to get the team promoted. So don't wake up in the morning not thinking about that. And that's what I say to my staff all the time. Whether you're in recruitment, whether you're in ticketing, whether you're the manager, I own a prize, guys. This is what we've got to do. This is how we're going to do it. Stay with the process. And how important is it for that to happen this season? It's it's four goes at League One now for for Ipswich. Uh, a fifth is not is not what's required, is it? It isn't, but you know, there but the grace of a whip of a post or a refereeing decision or an injury, you can't do anything about it. You 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 have to. You really do have to trust the process. And look, one hundred percent. Do we want to be promoted this season? Or are we all focused on it? Yes. If we're not, we go again and we get better. And that's the, it's, that's the only way you get promotions is you keep progressing, you keep progressing because then logic dictates. You get better every day, you get better every week, you get better every year. If you keep doing that, you will get to where you want to get to. The one thing I can't promise energy, anybody is when because there are just too many variables and I'm too old to get on the pitch and do it myself. That wouldn't have been good to bother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously it's, it's what you want. It's what it's what needs to happen for the club at some point. Yeah. But but it, it's pretty clear that, that there's no there's going to be no panic if it doesn't happen no. this time. It doesn't change anything ab- about how you guys have all come into this club. Relentless. This is a long term plan. A long term plan. And as I said to you, there's so many positives about this football club because of the natural size of the football club. And I think I said to you when I first came in. I was shocked that this is like turning an oil tanker. This is now turning a super oil tanker because it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that that brings its own challenges, by the way. And, you know, fans have been incredibly supportive. Sport has been amazing. But that does bring some performance anxiety to people. I mean, I start with myself. You know, I, I sit there and we've got 28,000 fans. I sit on a match day and my feeling is they're all looking at me if it goes wrong that brings an anxiety and a pressure. So if I feel that, I know what our young football players are going to feel that. Um, and we have got, they are young men. We have, we've got some young men. But that, I think, whilst you said it earlier, from an asset perspective, signing a Leif Davis is, is good business. Signing a Keogh is also good business. Because that brings you something that you can't coach experience, knowledge, been there, seen it, done it. He's as important when he doesn't play as when he plays, trust me. And I think he's been a great acquisition to the group. And getting that balance right, when, particularly when you're bringing through a young Cam Humphreys or a Wolfie who's coming through, for it's still coming through, still developing, I think that's so, so important. Just before we wrap up, how, how are the ownership? They've been over fairly regularly, um, together, individually. How, how are they? You've talked about sort of retaining a, a level-headedness, a, a calmness. Um, Kieran's rubbed off on you in that regard. Mike O'Leary has. How, how are they seeing everything at the moment? They said to me, um, 
Cheltenham. I don't know how you do this to 46 games, Mark. It's stressful enough watching it on the feed. Actually being here is, oh my God. Um, they're fantastic. I think, look, they're really good investors, but they're really good people. They care. They care about doing this properly. Their communication with me is fantastic. We talk regularly. The likes of Burke will talk to me probably after most games, just wants to have a chat about the game. How did I see it? Um, I spoke to Brett Johnson uh, last night. Ed Schwartz is consistently in communication across the whole business. We talk to Mark Steed when we, when we need to. Um, same goes to, for, for, for Mark Detmer. Um, we had a formal board meeting last week, which is you know the guts of running the whole business, which is a lot around finance, etc. Good people, good investors, have this football club at heart and are absolutely aligned to the relentlessness we need in all aspects of this football club to take it back where it should be. Have you been over recently? I think we've seen pictures previously of um, of, of meetings around the table. One, I think I can't remember who it was. One of you mischievously had a picture of Lionel Messi on your on a, on a phone. I think was that you? Or was no, that, no, no, no. That was that, I do know who you're talking about, but that's well. You say mischievously. You never know, do you? But it's Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment. Well, that's, could that's... be, could be. Listen, you can never say never. Uh, no, I haven't been back um, for probably three or four months. I'll probably go back out in February once the window's out the way. Um, but they've been here a lot recently um, and they're due back again probably in the next four weeks. Um, so we tend, to, we tend to balance it out because they are spread across the US and it's easier sometimes if they, they all come here. But totally committed, really love what we're doing um, and are just passionate about keeping it going. That's probably a good place to end, isn't it, Andy? We'd better rush off and write this messy exclusive Thanks for